0: father God, I just pray that uh, my words will be your
1: words this morning give us uh, ears to hear and hearts to understand
0: what you're saying to us in jesus name amen i was reminded about church
1: service that uh, was going on recently uh, and it was going really well and the, the 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 band was playing and the songs were going and the, people were singing and the hands were going and there was tambourines and ribbons and praise dance and flags waving it was brilliant and among all the shouts of joy from the people worshipping, you could hear one guy saying loudly, "God God, thank you so much for this worship but you should have been here last week. it was even better) <laughs> Sometimes we, uh, we sort of miss the point of worship, don't we? Um, and so I'm going to talk about worship today. And I'm going to talk about worship because it's the primary activity of God's people. It's not about preaching the word. It's not about serving the Lord, it's not about doing good works, it's not about reading the scriptures and obeying
0: the scriptures, although all of those things are important. But God put us on earth to worship. John
1: 4.23 says, the hour is coming now when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. So the Father is seeking Worshippers, And all through the Bible, we read that that's the, the primary activity of,
0: of God's people. And think about it, when we are in heaven, we probably won't be doing much praying because we'll be
1: in the presence of God anyway. Uh, we probably won't read the scriptures that much because we'll be with the living word, uh, the word incarnate in glory. We, we probably won't need to have much preaching going on because we'll all be the believers anyway. Um, we won't need to evangelize too much because we're all children of God in heaven. But what we will be doing in heaven is worshipping God. It's like when we're down here, we're like doing an apprenticeship. That's what I'll to think of it as. We're sort of practicing what it will be like in heaven to worship around the throne of God. It's like we'll graduate uh, to the throne uh, to say with a loud voice what was said in Revelation 5.12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And what a day that would be. So
0: worship is not a part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. And how do we measure up then with regards to, to
1: worship? So what, what really is our worship? Is it, is it singing? Is it coming to church? Is it communion? Is it praying? Well, none of those in themselves are worship, but they can be done worshipfully, definitely. But you can also do them without worship, really. Do you think sometimes that we've substituted the sort of outward rituals for what God says is an inward reality, an expression of worship? Have we have we lost worship among the trappings of
0: worship? Would we recognize worship if we saw it? I think we would. The uh, the.
1: I always like to to, to go back to a a kind of reference book. Uh, The Oxford English Dictionary defines worship as homage, paid or reverence given to a deity, especially in a formal setting, to attend public worship, an expression of adoration and devotion. It's not really a convincing definition of of Christian worship to me. Uh, In his book, Whatever Happened to Worship, uh, the great Tozer, A.W. Tozer, says, I say that the greatest tragedy in the world today is that God made man in his image and made him to worship him and made him to play the harp of worship before the face of God day and night. But man has failed God and has dropped his harp. And it lies voiceless at man's feet. Isn't that a great image of us? And I think when I'm playing my guitar or whatever, and I think, oh, I've dropped my guitar and it lies voiceless at man's feet. We've failed God in our worship. So worship is the adoration of God from our spirits, not our bodies, but our spirits. It's made, we're made whole by, by God's redeeming love and we're therefore able to worship him. We're able to be flawless because of God's grace and his gift. And Thomas Carlyle, defines worship as transcendent wonder now we're getting kind of more close uh, to, to a, a true definition of what christian worship is transcendent wonder being caught up in something beyond our capacity to understand and grasp it to be taken up in in the glory of god overwhelmed by god the thought of god The greatness of God, the attributes of God, to be saturated in God. That's what it's like to worship God. And, of course, words and definitions ultimately fail us. But there are great examples of worship in the Bible. And this is where we come back to the wise men, the magi. So I haven't lost a plot because I'm going to pick out some lessons about worship from that story. I was sort of looking through all of the examples not all but several of examples of worship in the bible when i was preparing this and and it, it did it, it i kept coming back to these wise men because they really did worship as we'll as we'll find out and there's three because it's a baptist sermon there's three good points um the first one is is the distance of worship how how long the distance of worship is and 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 so it is a long journey, figuratively, from our knowledge about God to our worship of God. I mean, some people would say it's not that far from the mind to the heart. Is you know, what, half a metre or something? If you're really tall or you've got a really big head, it might be a bit more. But, you know, it's not very far. But in reality, it is quite a long way, isn't it? Knowledge is not worship. It can help, but it's not, what, not what, what worship's all about. The wise men did have knowledge. They, they knew that a saviour was promised. They, they had biblical knowledge. They, they had historical knowledge from the scriptures. They, they had wisdom. Uh, they had astrological and astronomical knowledge, certainly. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for them just to know about him. Yeah, they were excited and enthusiastic about the knowledge, but what they really needed was to go and see him for themselves, to be in his presence. They had to be where he was. So knowing the truth is good, but what gives true joy to God is when his children, knowing the truth, walk in the truth
0: and worship him. God seeks worshippers, we read earlier on in John You sometimes see a sign, don't you, outside churches, um, carpenter
1: seeks joiners. I think he doesn't just seek joiners, he wants worshippers. There's a lovely hymn, um, Beyond the sacred page I seek thee, Lord, my spirit longs for thee, thou living word. Again, it's, it's the idea of knowledge not being enough So do we stop at that knowledge or do we go up to the house of the risen Lord and worship him?
0: That's the distance of worship. And and the second point is the cost of worship. Worship
1: should cost something. Now, the Magi, the wise men, they bought gifts. We know all about those. Uh, Frankincense, gold and myrrh, very expensive. But they also had a long journey over a long distance and time. It um, some somewhere around two years since his birth, since they saw the star. So think about that. They were traveling all that distance. They left their families behind. They left their lives behind, their jobs, because it was precious to them to go and meet with the Lord Jesus. And they risked the wrath of Herod by ignoring his request. So worship really did cost them. David says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, which cost me nothing. So David recognized that we need to to pay something to worship. There's a cost. The wise men left something which cost them, but but brought expensive gifts to worship. What what do we need to bring to worship when we come? Are Are we doing God a favor just by coming each week? singing and listening to a sermon, we read in the Gospels how Mary brought uh, oil and perfumed oil and anointed the Lord's feet and and dried his feet with with her hair and ministered to the Lord. She was worshipping him. What have we brought in our hearts that's precious and costly that will minister to the Lord today? let's not kid ourselves, these things we bring don't add anything to God, he has everything and he knows everything. Uh, In Isaiah uh, we read the multitude of camels will cover you, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all from Sheba will come, they will bring gold and incense and they will show forth the praises of the Lord. And, And that's why we bring these costly things to our worship. Because... It shows forth the praises of God. Our worship and praise doesn't add anything to God. We know that because he's infinite. But it does show forth the greatness of who he is. So our chief occupation is to worship God, to show that he is great. And it may cost time. It may cost our energy. It may cost our emotion, our feeling. It may cost tears and sorrow and pain, and some places it can even cost you your life to worship Jesus, we know that. Praise God, that's not the case here, but our worship should be sacrificial, we should be giving something in our worship. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God,
0: this is your spiritual act of worship. So the cost of worship. Is everything. And finally the third point. Is the focus of worship. Verse 11. Of
1: the passage we read. Um, in Matthew 2 says. And they fell down and worshipped him. They were totally focused on the object, the person of worship. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. They worshiped Jesus. And we can be kind of distracted a bit by doctrine, can't we, and methods and the mechanisms of worship and the liturgy and the programs and the projects and the buildings and growing the church and evangelism and prayer and music, children's work. All sorts of things. And I'm not saying they're not important. Because they are. But ultimately we need to just fall at his feet. And worship him. Because that's why we're put on earth. And why do we need to do this? Well it's a commandment first of all. You worship no other God. For the Lord is a jealous God. We read uh, back in the Old Testament. You remember Paul and Barnabas. Uh, When they were in um, Lystra, they were healing and preaching and the Gentiles came and started to to bow down and worship them because of the works that they were doing. And uh, Barnabas got called Jupiter, uh, Paul got called Mercury. So they were kind of being raised to the level of gods because of the work they were doing. Paul and Barnabas said, we are just men of like passion
0: with you. Worship God worship God so we need to focus our energies on the person of God in Jesus
1: are all our services focused on him, are they all centred on him, is our singing centred on him, are our sermons centred on him is our praying centred on him when God looks down on us today, does he see worship in our hearts like that of the wise men that traveled these vast distances to see the baby Jesus, that brought costly gifts, that turned over their lives and put them on hold just to, to worship God, and who then centered their worship on the person of Jesus.
0: Is that what God sees when he looks down on our church this morning? The evangelist, uh, J.H. Baumberg said um, that he,
1: he tells this story of a man who, who uh, was brought into a church in a dream, and he saw an organist vigorously playing the organ, but he couldn't hear any noise, and he saw the congregation and choir singing at him, but they could hear no sound. He heard the minister praying, but he couldn't. saw the minister praying but he couldn't hear anything and the angel who was leading him in this dream said you hear nothing because there's nothing to hear these people are not engaged in worship their hearts are not touched and this silence is unbroken by the presence of god but now here and then the man heard a child's voice clear and distinct in the silence The minister and the people and the choir were all seeming to pray and worship, but the only voice that was heard was the child's. And the angel said, that's the only true worship in this church today.
0: All the others are concerned with just the appearance of worship. So I want to challenge us. And, you know, as
1: as a person that that, that prepares worship for the church each week, I particularly talking to myself. When God looks down on us as we worship, will he see a worship that is truly Christ-centered worship, that costs us something, that is sacrificial? Will our voices really be heard where we aren't just seeing the appearance of worship, but we see real worship? Will we pick up
0: those harps that we may have dropped? And play the music of God's worship. God is seeking worshipers, we read. Will you find them here? Amen. Father God, I pray that we may indeed truly
1: worship you sacrificially, that you may bless our worshipers. We seek to worship you in a way that brings glory to your name, that shows forth your
0: praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to sing our final song.